not sick or struck dumb Or don't you know a kick 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 when you see one can't quit We're not done We're gonna kick 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 till the next one Hello fine people and welcome to The Kick My name is Chance Solom Pfeiffer This my friends is a brand new show on the Now Playing Podcast Network Where we cover movies and curated miniseries They're themed kicks if you will And wouldn't you know, we're on one right now. Our first kick is Superior Sequels, where every guest brings a sequel they prefer to the original film. And my guest today, for my own purposes, needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyway. He is a literary agent at Verve. He's made me laugh more in the last decade than anyone in my life. He was my fellow host at Be Real for eight years. Um, But by way of introducing his movie, I will tell you three things I suspect he believes. He'd rather plunder a mini bar than a home fridge. He believes in the power of a brick to the skull. And he frankly thinks any movie is better if it's set in New York. It's Noah Ballard. What an introduction. Thank you. Um, yeah, all, of, all three of those things are, are pretty true for me. I was I would say. really waiting for you to rudely interrupt and say, and I'm Noah Ballard, but it was nice of you not to do that. I, I have a level of respect and reverence for the kick that uh you don't even know (laughs) i appreciate it um i was curious if to introduce your film your sequel that you prefer to the original for old time's sake do you want to read an imdb synopsis perhaps i i saw that note on the google doc earlier and i was like hell yeah so here i am the movie is of course home alone 2 the sequel to home alone one year though the movie was released two years after kevin McAllister was left home alone and had to defeat a pair of bumbling burglars he accidentally finds himself stranded in new york city and the same criminals are not far behind hiya pal deck the halls with Marv and harry yes Home Alone 2 follows up one of the most profitable and beloved films of the 90s. My favorite fun fact forever about what a smash hit uh, 1990s Home Alone was the, is that William Goldman has this whole chapter or uh, was a column in the a thing in the New York Times that he wrote about all the movies in 1990 that got home alone, all the Oscar contenders and family films that just were completely boxed out of the paint forever by this movie, uh, whose original budget was uh, listed at 18, and it raked in half a billy. Um, so nice. <laughs> those are pretty good returns. Um, two years later, as you said, Home Alone two. Lost in New York bump things bumps things up to 28 million. It raked in 359 at the worldwide box office. I'll try to give you a couple stats this way. What does Home Alone 2 repeat from Home Alone 1? Well, everything really. Cheese pizza, ice creamed, uh, advanced marionetting, Tommy gun pictures, uh, itchy and scratchy show level violence, uh, unabashed love of consumerism. It repeats the same writer, John Hughes, director, Chris Columbus, star Macaulay Culkin, parents, John Hurd and Catherine O'Hara. It repeats lonely old people whose emotional salvation can only be found in talking to a 10-year-old kid who has to run along 
and brutalize Harry and Marv. Um, what does it add? Hotels, New York, Donald Trump cameos, uh, a lot more walking around cash, an incredible match cut from uh, Tim Curry's evil grin to that of the Grinch, and more that I'm surely forgetting. But here's the main event question, Noah Ballard. Why do you prefer Home Alone 2 to Home Alone 1? Why is it a superior sequel in your view? Well, to me, like looking at whether or not a sequel is successful uh, is looking at like, well, what is the purpose of a sequel, uh, both as a, a business proposition and like a, as, as making a piece of art here? Uh, so I think for this one, I mean, referencing the, the numbers you just did, you know, the, the goal was just to create the same thing, yeah. just to like see how diminished the returns would be on putting the same thing out again. And I think that like, is that's what I really sort of dig about it as a sequel because it is so unapologetically the same movie. Like, as you just said, like the, it's really like scene for scene, like him getting into a fight with his family, you know, and that leads him to like sleeping in a different place, which then causes tension when they're in a rush in the morning. And then of course, instead of being left home alone, he's separated at the airport. But that's where I think this movie like kicks into kind of an exciting gear because I think John Hughes, you know, part of his ethos is really kind of exploring the idea that children see the world a lot clearer than adults do because they're, they like can't see the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, I think this one seeing Kevin like end up in both like the luck and chance of the gears of capitalism, but then also be savvy enough and like have the tools enough to then survive for four days, like in New York city and like have a pretty decent time and, you know, not get too traumatized though. I will say that, I mean, and this movie is also much darker, like the, even taking the old person that you mentioned, like instead of like just a lonely old man, like living in another $500,000 house (laughs) down the street, this is a person who clearly like is dealing with, it's Brenda Fricker playing the the pigeon lady, clearly is dealing with either with abuse of some kind, like whether it was a drug abuse or an addiction of some kind, or whether it was like some sort of physical abuse. Like when I watched it this time, like I almost thought it was more when she describes the situation with her husband, it almost sounds like she was forced to leave him because of like something he was doing, you know? So there's something there uh, that I think is really getting at like a darkness, but in like wrapped up in such a children's, you know, world. I wasn't always like this, you know. Oh, what were you like before? I had a job. I had a home. I had a family. Did you have any kids? No. Oh, I wanted them. But the man I loved fell out of love with me. That broke my heart. And whenever the chance to be loved came along again, I ran away from it. I think too, like the, even the, I mean, it repeats the same thing where like Uncle Frank sort of traumatizes him uh, in the opening where in this one, it sort of ramps up the tension of like, 
it's Kevin now at 10 years old, a young boy, like figuring out, you know, his gender and sexuality, like has this weird sort of sexual trauma with his uncle who shames him for being in the same room as him while bathing. Uh, that being said, I mean, he is recording him on his Talkboy tape recorder. But that's what I want to get into about the movie itself, like the construction of the movie. Yes, it is like shameless, uh, you know, consumer placement or uh, advertising for products. Uh, but I think it uses them so well. Like the Talkboy tape recorder, which I remember so well from my childhood, was used in such a way where like this guy can make a reservation at a hotel and he can dupe, you know, a lot of people. And, you know, it's it's this thing that allows him to be kind of an adult in the world. And I kind of like looked around. I watched this actually on the plane flying from New York to Los Angeles. And it was interesting seeing like the kids, you know, either playing with their or presumably their parents' phones, but kind of getting in that mindset of like, yeah. holy shit, like kids can really fuck things up. Like if they were are, are given these devices, like these are tools that, you know, with a general understanding of the way the world works without the cloudiness of what the rules are supposed to be, like you can kind of do anything. Plaza Hotel Reservations, may I help you? Howdy do. This is Peter McAllister. The father. Yes, sir. I'd like a hotel room, please. Yes. With an extra large bed, a TV, and one of those little refrigerators you have to open with a key. Yes, sir. You'll need a major credit card upon checking. Credit card? You got it. Thank you. I agree with you that the 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 physical humor is the the i mean the ending of this movie is when the of course the you know the thing that we the main event that we all came for uh, you know these two guys getting the shit beaten out of them in you know comic ways is definitely over the top uh it's borderline it's sort of obscene like how many times they would die but like again that sort of adds to at least my level of enjoyment of this movie is just sort of counting up in my head the the amount of times that like a person in real life would be dead by the brick or whatever hitting uh, them in the in the face, yeah. uh, in the head area. I think this one is also a much darker, because it is a sequel and it has the certain cynicism that it is a sequel, like the first time you leave a child home alone, uh, it could be an oopsie-doops, but like this one is really kind of uh, an indictment of these two parents right you know so much so that like it really lingers on that moment when they're in miami in like the airport with the airport cop they make that the husband makes the joke of oh we never lose our luggage like it's something that's like born it's like one of these like family traumas that's like born into the narrative of a family that like to an outsider is insane. And I mean, the, the movie makes mention of that with just, you know, when she has to say, oh, this happened again. But like, it's such a, I don't know, there was a sort of dark truth to it when I saw it this time that I kind of liked. Sure. Um, yeah, they're, they're unapologetically like fucking up by this point. Or they're, they're out of excuses. Right. And what I also like about this movie is like, it doesn't, endeavor to be more complicated 
because it's a sequel, like I feel like a lot of sequels to successful things endeavor to like try to fool you in a different way or amuse you in a different way. This one like really just goes for what it is. And I think you can tell that even on the on the script level too with moments like you know i thought it was such a great line in uh, the first one where um harry says he describes like the things that might be at the McAllister house and one of them includes odd marketable securities yeah. like whatever that happens to be uh and this one i just love that they're just going for cash yeah they're just going for a big box of like one five and ten dollar bills that are on their you know, way it's, to the children's hospital that are on their way to the children's hospital. And thus, nobody could be craven enough to want to steal such a vessel. Um, yeah. So... Wait, let me just read over. Oh, my last point. Tell me. And this part you can edit out if you want. Probably won't. I think this movie presages a little bit that 9-11 is going to happen. Wow. And I will tell you why. I've never seen a movie where a landmark was held on in a helicopter shot for nearly 25 seconds. Like, it's unbelievable how long that shot is if you really watch it, where the helicopter pans away from uh, Kevin, like, taking pictures from the top of the what was then the World Trade Center. And it really is just like, wow, this movie has Donald Trump in it. And it has this like weird long shot of like this tribute to the Twin Towers. Like it's such a weird, like it has a weird vibe to it that feels like it's it's also kind of a, a time capsule of like the things we really valued, uh, you know, and, and had their, their lingering scars on American culture. Uh, so in that way, I think it like almost has this kind of obscene art value to it uh along with just how we beat the shit out of you know these these two men who have not been given the uh the the tools to succeed in in you know uh mainstream society i think the social safety net the educational system has failed harry and marv in a big way i i think so i think so i think that's what the the read is uh at least this time i watched it i like your theory because like even i know you like the home alone movies in general more than i do but there is something they clearly have their finger on the pulse of something about violence and consumerism and child fantasies that turn into adult fantasies and just that idea that it could somehow know about you know uh uh, violence and ostentatious wealth and fascism to come i don't know i kind of buy it I think it's there, man. I, I mean, watching it now, it was just like, I don't know. I felt, I felt cringy for the first however many years like to, to see the World Trade Center like that. But the reason it feels cringy is because it's such a celebration of it. And it's really like it, it becomes a, a document that kind of lives on because it leans into the prescience of knowing that sort of 9-11 as a July 4th type holiday you know, in like the American, you know, the way we observe, you know, our country's history, uh, it's kind of eerie. Or Memorial Day or Pearl Harbor Day or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Right. Um, okay. So let me throw some questions at you. And if you remember anything else, feel free. But um, Home Alone 1 and 2, are these every year movies for you? Yeah, I would say, yeah, I don't always watch the second one because it's obscene, but I typically watch the first one every year. Okay. 
Um, I'm not going to look too closely at what that means for the for the good faithness of your take. I thought the argument here was that it was the better movie, but but not that you necessarily like it more. You're so you're saying that you think that on a technical or textual level, you think two is stronger, but you'd be more likely to watch one. Well, I think because of my own political leanings, like the second one is harder to watch. But I think as a dynamic piece of filmmaking, the first one's just like a premise movie, but the second one is a true historical document. Okay. So if I was going to break down the school of sequelhood into blowouts, meaning like, let's just take the first one, let's just do more. Let's just do times a million. Reinventions or continuity, is this a blowout? I think by your definition, it's a blowout, yeah. Okay. Which I think also maybe has a little bit of charm 31 years later or whatever, because we don't make we don't make blowout sequels anymore. Like they're always these like engineered, how can they hook hook their talents into the next story? That idea of like, let's just do it again, but like way bigger. And honestly, like who gives a fuck? The Gremlins 2 new batch of it all. We don't do that anymore. Right. Yeah, and I think too, in a weird world, like one could watch this movie independently and it would just be a more insane premise that this has happened before, but you don't really know like how. Yeah. But it's still like a a movie that makes sense. Like it's not a continuity play. It's not like more from these characters. It's just the same from these characters. Okay. Is this your defining Hughes? I was going through John Hughes's filmography in preparation for this and it's it's nuts Mm -hmm. it's so nuts how many like weird franchises he he started uh like i mean of course home alone but also like the beethoven movies yeah always forget about those like he was part of the uh the lampoon vacation films right of course I think when I think Hughes, it's probably Christmas Vacation. Mm. But I think of Home Alone and Christmas Vacation occupying the same universe. Sure. Like it's just one side of Chicago and the other. Right. (laughs) Did I say nipple? (laughs) The tyranny of the Chicago suburbs. And people then in the tyranny of the Chicago suburbs. It is very funny in retrospect, like how he was supposed to be like the quintessential middle class voice. And now there's like a viral moment every year where people watch the Home Alone movies. They're like, these people are not middle class at all. Well, I think the Griswolds are definitely middle class. Sure. Jelly of the Month Club and whatnot. I have spent the better part of my adult life trying to figure out how much that bonus was for. Yeah. Clark's bonus for the pool? Not to segue too much here, but like he puts in $7,000 as a deposit because he needs to before the, because they still have to start digging when the ground thaws. (laughs) And he said he didn't have enough to cover it in his checking account. To be clear, we're talking about Christmas vacation now. We're talking about Christmas vacation now and the part the chance is going to edit out. No, it stays in. Keep going. The deposit was seven? The deposit was, he says $7,000. So he's expecting what? 10 grand? Seems good. Sure. And then he gets 12 grand because the guy adds 20% for the inhumanity of it all. Right. Okay. You spent, Incredible. You spent your whole life and 
Look at that. You figured it out just now. Well, I really just needed a forum on which to talk about it. Uh, so thank you for providing me that. You're very welcome. Honey, kids? I think, but yeah, I do think of John Hughes as like misery in the Chicago suburbs. Right. Uh, I mean, and I, I think that includes, you know, all the, all those 80s high school movies too. Totally. Um, oh, and planes, trains, and automobiles. That's right. That's also heading back to the Chicago suburbs, isn't it? I can't remember. Maybe? Probably. I feel like they crashed. Ferris Bueller, Chicago. Kansas. Breakfast Club's definitely Chicago suburbs. Maybe it's Ferris Bueller. Maybe that's my definitive hues. Oh, yeah. Is Home Alone to a good New York movie, Noah? I think for the most part, it's a good New York movie, by which I mean it's an accurate New York movie in most of its geography. I do have trouble with him getting up to uh, between the um, the Plaza Hotel, which is uh, 59th, uh, 59th and 5th, and then he gets up to uh, the uncle's apartment, which is like on 129th. That is a that is a distance, and it's also on, on the other side of town. It says in the the address book that he flips through West 129th. Mm-hmm. So that's like pretty. That's pretty far to just like like all the way there. I don't know. The classic John Williams mischief music is the wind beneath his wings. Or maybe it's 89th. Maybe I'm misremembering, but that's still 30 blocks and that's still really far. To just scamper at night as a child. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't any better than here, kid. Um. Okay, let me ask you a question. You... I believe you like and find interesting Tim Curry and the Plaza Hotel staff that is suspicious of him and spying on him. Is that right? I think that conceit is really funny. Like, but it, it's it's funny how much too it breaks from the the world of the first one. Like, if you go back and look at the interactions that Kevin has with like people in the world, you know, people who he's exchanging money with, uh, it's it's a lot more kind of naturalistic, I would say, yeah. in the first one. And this one, it's definitely more cartoony. But I also think that this movie exists at a time where that was kind of a genre of movies, too. Like, I'm reminded of, uh, like, Dunstan Checks In, you know, or like, uh, have you not seen that? I don't even know if I've heard of that. What's Dunstan Checks oh In? Oh, my God. I'm reminded of Dunstan Checks In. <laughs> It was three years later, so it's '96, but it's a it's a it's a uh, a monkey buddy picture. Oh, it's a Ken Quapis film. A young boy befriends a larcenous orangutan in a luxury hotel. Is this a Dustin checks in podcast now? Oh my god, I would love to talk about Dunstan checks in. Should I do a mini series on? And it's not Dustin checks in; it's Dunstan checks Dunstan. in. The monkey's name is Dunstan. It's got a great cast. It's got Faye Dunaway, Rupert Everett, wow. Jason Alexander, Eric Lloyd is the kid. Should I do a miniseries on Klepto Monkeys? Paul Rubens is briefly in it. Oh my God. Klepto Monkey Pictures. Um, yeah. but the- what, did that, what did that be? Comedy? <laughs> well, I, we actually have a, a section for monkey pictures. Um, but so this is a movie with that similar sort of kid tries to access a hotel like an adult dynamic. Yeah, 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 which I think was a, a staple of 
children's films in the 90s or like a kid messes up a big house kind of thing sure blank check blank check yeah uh, richie, richie rich. rich yeah yeah that's interesting totally. that we were that was like a whole what if kid had to do adult stuff that would be nuts right that was that was like 10 years of movies for kids I was thinking the other day too, I mean, just along these lines of the film, the little rascals recently, which is like such a bizarre, like comic conceit where the children have like a little adult society. Right. (laughs) Like the parents are not privy to what's, I mean, I get it. I mean, it's old IP or whatever, but like the, just the joke of it is so odd to me. Yeah. Well, we got to be coming up on, the hundredth anniversary of our gang or whatever we could, I'm sure they can squeeze a streaming series out of it. Amazing. Um, let me pitch an idea that you though, Tim Curry, he's so good in this movie. He's so slimy. He's so dubious of Kevin. I'm wondering, could the hotel staff have just been the main antagonists of this movie? Do Harry and Marv need to be in home alone too? I do think the Achilles heel of this movie is the fact that they try to bring back the original villains. I think that you could have had the same kind of physical humor with just in the hotel with the ho- like have the sequence of him getting caught before the parents show up with the stolen credit card like be the third act of the movie. And then like have more running around time like that I think is in the the way it's a bad New York movie is that it really kind of gives up on being in New York and then just goes back to a house where no one is. Right. <laughs> it could be anywhere. It could be anywhere. And that I don't think is the like the physical humor is the reason it's f- like people thought it was that third act of the first one was funny. I don't think it's the house violence particularly that is the that is the draw to it. Um, but I'm willing to forgive that. Also, I just want to make a little uh, footnote here. Yeah. This is a hill I want to I've wanted to die on for a long time. When Kevin first gets to the hotel, Rob Schneider takes him up to the Herbert Hoover suite, uh-huh. uh, and he then looks in his bag kevin while he's checking out the room and to see that if he has money or whatever he has and then kevin catches him he uh, tries to cover by saying oh did you want me to put the key in the bag and then the guy like seems to think he's owed a tip and it becomes a running joke in the movie that this guy like just can't get a tip from the McAllister family but the hill I want to die on is the fact that I don't think in either circumstance he deserved a tip. You know, I think we've gotten uh, carried away, in, in, at least in, in this particular era, with who needs to be tipped for what services. And if someone goes through my personal property and then has provided no real service of any kinds, I don't think he deserves one of those 20s in there. I think the script sort of maybe thinks that they're suspicious of him because he doesn't grease the wheels a little bit there. Yeah. But I don't think that, I think that these the people who work at these this hotel are monsters. They're not like good people that Kevin's fucking over. Yeah. I'm willing to let you rest in peace forever on that hill. I mean, Rob Schneider did not deserve a tip in either context, <laughs> nor when Buzz gives him his chewed gum in the final scene. 
We've read the HuffPost articles where like some guy in Ohio is like, I don't want to tip 18% for my coffee, but where where are the, you know, man on the street pieces about the bellhop going through your bag and still wanting a few bucks? Exactly. Um, I had a question for you. The scene of them realizing that they've forgotten Kevin in two, I think is especially wonderful, where they're passing the bag down the conveyor belt and then pass it back. Kevin's not here. 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 What? That's a nice escalation of the Catherine O'Hara Kevin moment. Yeah. And she does that classic cinematic thing where she kind of like freezes like a board and faints straight backward. Right. Well, she chuckles, screams, and then falls straight backwards. Yeah. Do people faint straight backwards in movies anymore? Do, is this something we've lost I wish along they did. the way? We, we must have lost. I mean, I don't watch a lot of like broad comedies made in this year but maybe someone does that in like you know uh we're the millers or something <laughs> the most contemporary comedy example yeah maybe in uh uh instant family yeah, someone does nice that. maybe someone does the straight back like uh charlie chaplin faint maybe in the new sydney sweeney uh that other guy vehicle two-hander glenn powell two-hander anyone but you someone laughs screams and falls straight backwards i wish i could confirm or deny um okay you ready to play a game is it can i recite the kevin making a reservation at the plaza hotel in the talk by tape recorder voice you want to do that howdy do (laughs) this is peter McAllister, the father (laughs) I'd like an extra large room, please, with a TV and a little refrigerator you can open with a key. Credit card? You got it. Okay. I take your word that in your mind, Home Alone 2 is the, is the superior sequel. What this game presupposes is, what if I don't? <laughs> so I'm going <laughs> to throw some takes at you. And you have to deem the take sticky or icky. Sticky for the sticky bandits, meaning it has validity. Icky, meaning in the classic Noah Ballard sense, you find the take to be hateful and gross and you want nothing to do with it. Perfect. You ready? This movie would be 10% better if Phil Hartman was in it. And there's no reason that Phil Hartman shouldn't be in it. Yeah, like an intrepid journalist or something who happens to be sitting in the Oak Bar who like, was looking for a, something to profile yeah. to something What's yeah like Phil story, Hartman kid? playing the Greg Kinnear role from You've Got Mail. I would I think that's a sticky take. Okay, or li- the the limo driver who gives him the cheese pizza. Just give me. There's so much smarm in this movie. I I have to think Hartman was available, and I don't know why he's not in. Um, all right, take two. Stick your icky. Uh, the violence is so cartoonish. Car- heightened cartoonishness to the sense of when uh when marv grabs that electrified oh, when he turns into the skeleton he turns into a, like yeah a literal skeleton um you see that's such a great you shot see the inside of him he's been electrocuted so hard i really like that 
Um, but it would be better if the violence was directed quicker. I think that, yeah, I, I think that that's a sticky take. I think that it's, it's definitely too much. It's again, like, why is he doing it to these guys again? Like, I don't, there's something about the, the plausibility of them believing. Cause I think what's funny about the first movie is that these are adults thinking that they like have one over on a kid, yeah. but they even say multiple times in this movie, well, this kid's different, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, not this kid. And so I think you're, it goes back to your idea about keeping the violence at the hotel would be like, it would heighten the action uh, or heighten the tension of being like, oh, well, these are no, no working class burglars. Right. These are the, the, you know, people who have been screened and now work at the Plaza Hotel. That's yeah, totally. Um, that's a sticky yeah that's that's a sticky take I, i'll buy that i love the idea of harry and marv just looking up at the brownstone being like god damn this kid's just built different um, yeah this kid is built different <laughs> okay um sticky or icky replacing john candy the good-hearted polka player who gives uh catherine hair right home in the first one replacing him with a sort of unexplained uh, mother-son shining telepathy type connection. Not not quite cutting it. Explain that. Oh, you know, yeah, because I guess there is no, because the Catherine O'Hara doesn't go off on her own this time. She doesn't really have her own story in this one. Right. And instead, there, I think there's just this heightened like, mom are you out there split screen yes son i hear you it's 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 very odd i think another opportunity to make this a better movie would have been to give her more of like more time with the cop sure like it seemed like the cop that like realizes that she's in trouble and decides to help her out like is a touching thing and kind of does replace the oh this is where the system will bend a little bit to get this kid back when otherwise nobody gives a shit uh that could have been bigger um, but yeah, it is definitely missing that. Uh, it's missing a, a little bit of candy in there. Yeah. Um, last one, because I, I really want you to reject one of these takes. The sign on Duncan's toy chest. That's the store, right? Duncan's toy chest is the FAO Schwartz stand-in, yeah. It really looks like it says Toy Duncan's Chest, and it drives me insane. It does look like that. Sticky or icky? <laughs> Is that a thing? Is that a thing to be upset about, Noah Ballard? I think the real thing to be upset about when it comes to Duncan's toy chest is the fact that like there's no toys. It's just it's Christmas just a, decorations. It's just a it's just Christmas <laughs> it's just Christmas decorations. There's no and there's like a seemingly a couple of interactive stations, but there's no shelves where people can buy the boxes that the, the toys are kept in. True. Yeah, how do you take anything home? Okay. Home Alone 2 in the headlines is this next section. Because somehow there's there's headlines about this uh, 31-year-old movie. Like recent? Or this is from when it was released? These are from now. These are, these are from uh, recent, uh, recent media blurbs. I want to read you a post from Donald Trump, and you tell me if this makes sense. Because uh, there's all this reporting through the years. Chris Columbus is like, yeah, I mean, he was a, if you can believe this, he was a total dick and bullied his way onto set and like wanted to be in the movie or whatever. Um, uh, the 45th president posted on Truth Social, that cameo helped make the movie a success, but if they felt bullied or didn't want me, 
why do they put me in and keep me there for over 30 years? <laughs> As if every year they like dust it <laughs> off and re-release it. Oh my god. I mean He I kind am... of makes it sound as though as though his soul is trapped in the movie and he can't Totally. Go. Or or like it's like live theater or something and he's they yeah. just like put down a screen and there he is as part of the yeah. the, the <laughs> They don't want me to be Santa every year. Stop asking. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think the first half of that is pretty cogent and makes a lot of sense. And I agree. Like, I think if he was such a bully, they could have edited him out or shot it with another extra. Uh, I think it makes the movie. I think when you, the both looking at the authenticity that it had when it came out of Trump being in, like having recently purchased the Plaza Hotel and that being like kind of a salacious uh, story and him kind of rising to prominence. Uh, and then also as this historical artifact that we talk about, it's it's great that he's in it and that, that they've kept him there for 30 years. <laughs> that his essence remains confined, unable to do anything else. Every time I watch it, it's exactly the Maine. same. Each frame remains intact. Do you think that he thinks that they would have done like a Kevin Spacey uh, only like all, a, the, money in the, world all the, money the money in the world kind of uh, edit out of him or something? Like it's Barack Obama now, going back in time. Excuse me, where's the lobby? Down the hall and to the left. Thanks. Do you find that he gives directions in a normal way? Down the hall and to the left. But he kind of manages to do a triple take while saying down the hall. Well, this is what I was going to say. I don't think it's just his line read i think he does a bit of acting in it when he like kind of reflexively tells him where the lobby is but then like he kind of sniffs out that like is this kid here alone yeah whatever yeah he does um it just made me wonder if donald trump had given anyone directions in 50 years maybe not but possibly not he can sniff out a rat okay yeah, takes one to know one. Um, here I have an interview from one Rob Schneider, who plays the nosy bag boy bellhop, who does not deserve a tip. He agrees with you that Home Alone Two is the superior film. His logic, I'm not sure. So let's play sticky or icky. Dude, that's with this the one Rob I'm Schneider. in. Let's <laughs> let's play sticky or icky with this Rob Schneider take. Home Alone 2 is a superior film because, quote, they don't show Home Alone 1 every Christmas. I think that's, I think that's, unfortunately, that's icky because they definitely show Home Alone 1 way more than they show Home Alone 2. (laughs) Really, the stupid, they didn't, they weren't showing Home Alone 1 in my hotel right before this, therefore. Yeah, Freeform had Home Alone on for 24 hours this year. Yeah. Would you like to... Play a little bit of light Home Alone 2 trivia. Oh, please. I think you're going to crush this. Um, what is the name of the game show that Kevin sees advertised on TV? Ding, dang, dong. Celebrity ding, dang, dong. That's Celebrity right. ding, dang, dong. That's yeah. where he learns about the Plaza Hotel. New York's most exciting hotel going experience. <laughs> uh, Fuller, played by Kieran Culkin, Uncle Frank's youngest. Uh, notorious bedwetter. Just <laughs> easy on the Pepsi. 
Well, you cut to the heart of it here. Fuller changes his beverage between the two movies. What does he change it to? Is he drinking Coke in this one? Yes. Wow. What do you suppose brings that on? Easier on the bladder? I don't think a child that age should be drinking a <laughs> caffeinated beverage at all. You should be drinking one soda, much less four <laughs> beverages with a hundred. They should be drinking that milk. Caffeine. She's trying to get rid of it. That's that. Now that's a great point. Noah, the Joe Pesci character's full name is Harry Lime. Yes, Harry Lime. Yep. Uh, this is a reference to a classic 1940s film. A character of the same name. Do you know what? Of what the movie is? Yeah. I'm here looking for a friend, Harry Lime. Harry Lime is played by Orson Welles in the movie. Third man? It's third man. Interesting. Okay. Very good. I did Um, not know that. That was just a guess. Good guess. How many bricks does Marv take to the head in this movie? It's five, isn't it? It's four, unfortunately. Oh, it's four. It's so many bricks. It feels like 500. That's, that's I would three say. more than it would need to kill him. <laughs> exactly. From 40 feet away, downhill. All just picking up a tremendous amount of force due to gravity. Yeah, that's coming at him at, you know, 40 miles an hour. It's like the penny off the Empire State Building, but a hurled brick. But a brick. <laughs> Um, a char- a minor character name I really liked, the rather uh, severe woman who checks Kevin in. Do you remember her name? The character's name? Yeah. Her name tag has her full name on it. Yeah, it does. Ugh, fuck. She shares a first name. <laughs> With a Nathaniel Hawthorne protagonist? Oh my god. What is it? A woman with an A on her? Oh, um... Well, now I'm just going to embarrass myself even further. No, it's all right. Hester. Um, Yes. The the woman's... The clerk's name is Hester Stone. Hester Stone. I don't... I wouldn't have gotten the last name. I... I, If I had sat on it a little bit more, I would have gotten Hester. No, I have to make a somewhat inelegant segue now, because whether you know it or not, the idea of this first miniseries of superior sequels ends in the topical question, is Dune 2 going to be better than Dune 1? I, that's so funny, because I just watched Dune right before we recorded. Hey, uh, do, I don't think we've ever talked about the villainy of Dune. Do you like it or no? I, was, I thought it was pretty spectacular the second time. I think I was really disappointed... I, we talked about this, maybe not on a show, but just in life, that I got so upset when it, the title card came up and it said part one. Oh, Because right. the advertising campaign had not advertised that it was the first of 75 or whatever. This is ringing a bell, yeah. And you're right, it doesn't. But now going in knowing that it was, it, it's not the... Because I'd also gone in two having just watched the Kyle MacLachlan one, thinking that they were going to jam all that shit in there. Yeah. And... You know, by hour two, I'm like, I don't think they're going to get to the emperor. Uh, <laughs> so, but I, I, th- I thought it was pretty good. And I'm pretty pumped for the second one. 
Nice. Level of anticipation is I think it's so fascinating that it's both a standalone movie, but like a really, I think like a pretty cocky, like first movie that like the second movie wasn't greenlit when they released the first movie kind of thing. That's right. Like it really does open it up, but it is also a standalone movie, maybe not in the most like satisfying Marvel-y kind of way. But like in a way that it is a movie, it's like this young man comes of age, uh, you know, and like realizes that his dreams aren't necessarily true, but he definitely can see the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot when I just watched it. I'm pumped for uh, March 1st or whenever it comes out. That's exactly right. Um, my friend, did we forget anything? Is there anything else you want to say Home Alone 2 wise or, uh, you know? advice for how people should tip wise what are some other times we shouldn't tip Noah? um i've already put your headstone on this hill anymore you want to say about it so when i was ordering indian food earlier this evening on uber eats when i got to the checkout page there was a little toggle switch that said do you want to give this restaurant two dollars it goes all to them huh I was like, well, no. What about all this other money I'm, I'm giving to the, the restaurant? It yeah. was like when you're at the pharmacy and it's like, do you want to donate one, two, three, or zero dollars to whatever charity? And it's like, not, not this time. Uh, right. But it's like this time, it's like, do you want to donate one, two, or five dollars to CVS? Right. Yeah, that seems like the you know, a form of conscientious capitalism that's like acknowledging that Uber Eats is bad for restaurants and therefore you can try to like offset your bad footprint or whatever. But and in defense of Uber, I wouldn't have ordered from this Indian place right around the corner had I not had it not appeared on Uber there. So there's some I'm logic just, to the hellscape. They got some of my money. Um, but not all of them. My <laughs> Noah Ballard, my friend. Is there anything you want to plug at the end here? One of my hobby or one of my one of my New Year's resolutions is to like, you know, develop something outside of work that I care about. So maybe you'll have me back and I can plug my basket weaving at that point. I would love that. Yeah, let's let's catch up with you and see what your how your 2024 resolutions pan out. I lost my job, but I have all these baskets for sale. <laughs> uh, it was great to talk to you. I appreciate it. You too, brother. All right.